welcome to the live 55-1 podcast in front of a studio audience uh, at the Black Heart of St. Paul. Thank you guys for being here. Uh, thank you for not... Up- there we go. Yes. Um, we- oh, whoa. It's a really big crowd here tonight. Um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad to be uh, recapping this year with uh, two friends of mine, uh, two uh, pod podcast, uh, longtime podcast friends of mine, uh, Bruce McGuire. Um, uh, it's good to be back on a microphone next to you, man. Thank you. Uh, and then uh, Jeff Reuter, uh, it's good to be back with you as well. And you're getting ready to get married next weekend. Or technically, you were married like last weekend or two weekends ago. Now you're going to get married officially again before you have the then later party. So it's, it's like a... As Bruce said, uh, thank you. You're welcome. It's really great. Really great. This is boding well for you guys. Uh, um, we are, we're here to talk about 2019, uh, the ups and downs. Uh, thankfully, this year's uh, recap show is more ups than downs because it's a recap, and we're not even done with the, the year this year. Um, so uh, what I want to start with is actually um, going back to the beginning uh, of the year and to maybe you can just make it up. I don't know if you actually wrote it down anywhere and you remember what you wrote down, but what were your um, preseason predictions for this year? For Minnesota United, I picked them to finish eighth this season based on their track record of poor, poor, poor signings in the off seasons the two years prior. And then I also went through all the other teams and I, the other day I kind of went through all 24 teams and if somebody finished one or two places higher or lower than I had originally predicted, um, I counted that as getting it right. And I ended up with uh, six wrong out of 24 teams. This year? Yeah. Wow. Six. Only six. And one of them was Minnesota United. Well, congratulations. I got Which wrong. one was the one you were most wrong about? Kansas City. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think that, that probably... Uh, tracks with just about everyone in the league. Yeah, and I also had said at that time, there's always one, at least, that really dives hard. Because there is every year in MLS at least one that you think is going to be good and, and really, really takes a hit. And so you said you said eighth again? For Minnesota United, yeah. yes, and, eighth. And so yeah. um, you said that was related to the track record of signings. Um, but at the beginning of the season, we saw the signings, and at least the the on paper – it looked like a much different off season than the past year, right? Because the last, like, the first two seasons, we had like eight players going into training camp. It felt like, um, and because I, I remember this this off season, looking at it, and going like, "Oh, we've actually signed players earlier than I thought," um, and we had um, Ike Opara, Ozzy Alonso. Those were the two. Um, marquee MLS signings. Definitely, I can't argue did, with that did, at all. Did, though I yeah. didn't know if Alonso would play a minute. Right. Right. Uh, so I. On my tabulation, I had Opara as this is a great signing. Everything else to me is a big question mark. Yeah. And Jeff, what, what, were, what were your preseason predictions? Uh, I predicted sixth. Oh. And okay. I, I think the teams I was most wrong about, Kansas City and a Houston, I had both finishing above Minnesota. Okay. Which, not quite. Um, same, same going back to you. What, what um, like, what were your feelings on it? Like, what would be, why not fourth? Uh, or why not 
eighth? You know, what what what, what made you well, kind of think they'd be better, but not yeah, quite, not quite. Yeah, because you obviously thought they'd be good enough to get in there at the bottom. But right. It's just so rare to see an MLS team actually make as much of an improvement year to year as Minnesota ended up doing. I mean, usually teams will improve within a range of ten points maximum. Like a good year means that you got nine more points than you did last year, three more wins. And Minnesota, I think, increased their point total by sixteen. I want to say this year from uh, that's a second most. Sure. That sounds it's like the good. second most in MLS number, behind San right. Jose. Okay, and they yeah. got twenty-two points last year, so that's not too hard. Yeah. Uh, but no, genuinely, I, I didn't think that there would be as many apathetic teams in the Western Conference. I thought that there were going to be nine teams in true contention until the final week. I was wrong. Uh, I didn't think Minnesota would make as much of a leap compared to their peers. I was wrong on that, too. So I think sixth felt comfortable. I re-listened to um, our preseason podcast um, today, and it was very funny um, thinking about because we were we were basing all that. It was the week before... Or the you know like five days before the first game of the season, the uh, away away win at Vancouver, and going into the season, we were talking about the lineup that we saw in preseason, right? With uh, Miguel, um, uh, uh, Romario was playing up top on and off. Um, Schuler was playing on the left, remember, as a, as a like wide midfielder to go go into the way back machine of whatever was going on at the no beginning kidding. of the season, and um, and so it's very funny to think how we were evaluating it that way. And then you know, obviously, I don't know if you remember Francisco Calvo used to play for Minnesota United, um, uh, but he so like looking at that, I put us at, at sixth as well, and largely because I uh, you know my explanation on the podcast was Vancouver are going to struggle, San Jose are going to struggle. Um, uh, I'm trying to think. Oh, Colorado, we're going to struggle. Uh, I thought Houston were going to be same as always, going up and down. Dallas, I thought we're going to struggle. Um, all, all of that kind of tracking basically well, except for San Jose going through the craziness. I, what, so all that to say, I think what I saw was a team that would um, be very solid, but not particularly except, exceptional. Um, and I don't know. I, if we had recorded this and the season ended before the, the last game, right, in, in Seattle, um, our, our feelings would probably be different. Um, but ending up uh, fourth rather than uh, uh, second, you know, is, is a little bit different. And I don't know if that, uh, if that for you, Bruce, at least, like, do you, do you look back on the season differently of, of uh, you know, the chance just losing this game, if we had won it and finished second, would that significantly change your feelings over looking back or? No, definitely not. I mean, it's, it's, it's two places. And like I said before, if you're within one or two places of something, I think it's basically the same. They've got a home playoff game just like they would have finishing second. So I don't see hardly any difference at all. There I mean, certainly it, isn't a difference if you're looking to try to remember how the regular season went. I mean, it's yeah. a difference of a point or two points, something like that. But it obviously changes things going into the postseason. The difference of being on the two, three, five, six side of a bunch of teams that didn't look like they wanted to make the playoffs or think they could, uh, compared to being on the side with two Los Angeles clubs, Night and day, in my opinion, as far as difficulty on those two halves of that bracket. Although if you look back maybe over the last 10 games of the regular season in the West, the team that had the best record maybe didn't play the best, but was Seattle. Yeah. They yeah. definitely are, like going into the playoffs, they are in the best. Like they're not playing beautiful, but they're getting results. 
Well, there aren't that many teams that are simultaneously playing Good beautiful point. and getting... I mean, there's only three really great teams this year. Uh, Atlanta, New York, and, um, uh, and LAFC, obviously. And then it's a bunch of teams that are like, as we saw in the West, like, you know... Who the hell who, knows? Yeah, what's the difference? And <clears throat> what's the difference between Seattle and... I think there's a big difference between Seattle and who got that last? Dallas got the last? Or San Jose? No, San Jose is out. Oh, so Portland's out. sixth. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, the, Dallas is seventh. Yeah, yeah. So Dallas is, is there a significant quality difference between Dallas and Seattle? Well, the experience-wise, yes. Yeah, it's not even close, and that's why I think Seattle could be still another elite team in the playoff run. Yeah, if they hadn't lost Chad Marshall, you would you would say probably imagine that they would have been. In that, uh, it would have made a top four of great teams, but they looked pretty good yesterday. Yeah, and, <laughs> Their and, center and backs it's, did. it's like when yeah. last season when Dempsey retired mid-year. I think there's a point where a player realizes that they're not up for it, that they're you know that they're not going to have the exact same sort of intensity, the, the the same driver necessity to do well in the postseason. And like with Dempsey, he it got to a point where he thought that he was going to be detracting from the team, that the team would look at how much they're paying him and say, right, we have to play Clint but he didn't fit on that roster because they had Lodero and Morris and Rui Diaz. So there just wasn't a spot for him. And, and I guess Kim Kee-hee and a juiced up or a, uh, I don't know, um, wrung out. Yeah, like a, like a sponge. Uh, Roman Torres looked like just a sham, sham wow. Like a sham wow version, yeah, yeah. after you'd Well, he, had, he was out. all in his, because he shaved, he shaved his, uh, his uh, hair. Team Baldwin. Yeah, so, Team Baldwin. So he, um, it, like, once it was all in the hair, and once he got rid of it, he was good. You know, going back to the offseason, the one other thing that gave me some hope on the Minnesota side was that they signed a French player, Metanier, and I've been asking for years and years and years for Minnesota especially, but all of MLS teams to start digging in in France because – the last, I don't know how many years, the French players have been the best players in the world. You know, their national team is the best national team in the world. And they could probably have fielded two teams in this last World Cup. They have so many good players. And I think it's a goldmine that I still, I mean, I know that their players are playing all over Europe, but I still think it's fairly untapped. Um, I, I, I mean, I think Metanier could end up, and, and Moembe could end up being like, if you really went after it, I think they could be like the worst French players Minnesota ever signed. Because <laughs> I think there's that much great sure, talent yeah, out there. Yeah. I'm not demeaning them. I'm just saying I think there's a lot out there. So if we go back to the the they obviously the team obviously exceeded our expectations of it. Um, uh, and and I, I'm, I don't I don't mean this on a, a dig of the the team's marketing campaign, but there's all obviously the, this kind of funny thing, which is like, oh, everyone uh, didn't believe in us, and so my question is, did the team overperform expectations, or should we just evaluate them as no, they met the expectations that apparently the team had, or you know, uh, d or does that matter? Like, do do you think that they overperformed based on? Not your original criteria. Was it like based on in a fluky way or overperformed in a way that shows that yes. they're better than we thought? Maybe that's a better question. Sure, okay. ask that question. Okay, answer that one. Okay, got it. I'll answer, not ask. Uh, I I think there's quality. I don't know. I, I look at that roster and there's it's genuinely MLS good. You know, like you're you're not going to confuse them for playing in a different league. They play in a very kind of Conmebol slash Concacaf hybrid style, but. 
Yeah, no, I, I, I don't think it was just fluke results because if anything, the fluky results of their season were drop points. And so, there, and so there I think overall it's a quality fluky, difference. Like, like uh, was it Seattle we beat with the, the butt cheek goal? There was a, a few goal, uh, games. Minnesota has never beat Seattle in MLS. Or there was, L, was it LA? There was a, or DC. There was a period in, in, uh, in the summer. Who Remember the butt cheek goal? There were too many goal games Angela this summer. Too with many like games. A, a hair off his butt cheek. It didn't, maybe didn't actually hit him. And yeah, we Metineer won. scored that goal. And they gave nothing. it to Angelo. Yes. But yes, I know no, what so, you mean. Sorry, it wasn't Seattle. It was a, it was a few DC United. teams uh, this summer where it was like, I'm not sure if we actually deserve that, but it happens. And, and you well, want to be lucky. April and May was pretty inconsistent. Yeah. You just look at the scores, and it's like they just rotated through lost high win, lost high win, lost high win for two straight months. Team right. of averages. Um, I don't know. So, so they did. So, I guess the the question is: Did they objectively now looking back, not thinking about your original expectations, but did they did they perform beyond what they actually are on on paper? I if think that they per- saying they're in they MLS performed team. pretty close to what they are on paper. I just didn't know if what was on paper would actually play out. Because there have been times in the past where I've looked at a signing and said, like, yeah, that could work. That could make sense. So this player is going to be terrible. And then the exact opposite happens. And when you bring in over half of your starting lineup as fresh faces or as Rasmus Schuler playing at left wing, as he was in week one, which is the freshest of faces, uh, the babiest face that you'll ever see in that locker room, uh, then I don't think I don't think you can actually say that that team should obviously gel because so much of that takes half a year or more. And despite the fact that there was never a consistent best 11 on this team, that there was always a formation change, there was always a personnel change, always a different winger, always a different whatever, left back. Uh, yeah, I would say that they actually overperformed, uh, but it made sense why. And we finished with 54 points, is that? Three. 53. And so 53 would have put us in sixth uh, last year in the West. And uh, I guess it, it, some of it is like trying to weigh like, was just the, was it just a lot of mediocre to good teams out there, and we just happened to be pretty pretty good out there? Um, and I admit that's an open question. It's just like something I've been mulling well, over, and I don't know if you can answer. Well, well, there was a historically bad team out there. So part of the difference is instead of having twenty three teams where the the floor is here, FC Cincinnati is just the Grand Canyon. And suddenly the floor is so low at that point that every team is going to be taking points away. They got, what, 22 points in a 34-game season, which means that most points in those games are going elsewhere. So I think that inflated the top half a little bit, too. Um, You know, for me, if I change the formula for expectations, when you think about go back game to game, week to week, how many games did I say they underperformed and yet they still finished where they did. Yeah. So in a way they didn't do as good as they could have. They could have been better with exactly the same lineup and everything. I think game to game, they're better than real salt lake the game to game. They underperformed the fact that they finished. Yeah. This is the first year you can actually see a team on the table and say, Minnesota should have finished better than them. I agree with that. And that that's, um, let me then ask this, which is, I'm curious if there is a, a game uh, that you can remember from this season where the team that kind of represents the best of what the team can be on a regular basis, like that would be the blueprint going forward. Let's see them play with this lineup, with this attitude, and they and this game plan. Is there something, Bruce? You There's two, and it's against the same team. It's both games against 
San Jose Earthquakes. Yep. And this was a team that historically, going back to the early 2000s, when Minnesota Thunder first played San Jose Earthquakes, Minnesota had never beaten. Not once. And this year they beat them twice. And sure, the San Jose that peaked in the middle of the season was not that at the beginning of the season, but neither was Minnesota. And then when they did play just past the middle of the season here in Minnesota, it was a closer game than the 3-1 to score, but Minnesota won that game. And to me, that that is... That's the signifier. Beating San Jose twice, to was, me. Was there a part of that game game plan or, or lineup that, that you liked in terms of t- tactically or, or player-wise or, or anything? I mean, they played 4-2-3-1 in both of them. They didn't mess around with this other stuff that they're not as good at. Right. And so, therefore, that, that, that is why, to me, it is the blueprint. And, and with that home game in particular, 4-2-3-1, like you said, you had two rookies at fullback. This is when uh, Metinair was at African Cup of Nations. So it, I think part of what this represents for the 2019 season is, one, the overperformance uh, of both Hassani Dotson and Chase Gasper compared to what you would have ever possibly expected from a couple of later super draft picks. Uh, playing how we thought they would play coming into the season with Angelo Rodriguez up top, Darwin in the middle, and then Ethan Finley and Miguel Ibarra starting on the wings. That's pretty much what we expected the attack would end up being with Kevin Molino as like a spark plug. Uh, Gregus and Alonzo did really well to hold their own within the quick marking uh, and to stop the passing of Jackson Ewell, which at that time was picking up pace. And that was the game, if I remember right, where Michael Boxall ended up right, dribbling. Right, right. Yeah, yeah for basically from, then, like, from here to Brainerd, Minnesota. For the yeah. rest of the season, Boxall was like, "I can do this. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bomb forward." Yeah. And it's like, no, Boxy, nobody. <laughs> well, but, but he is, never screwed up doing it, though. No, no he never did. And and that was a, a lot of people will say best win of the season, like the the, the peak of this team is beating LAFC. But the difference was that this was the first of two times where there was like the hottest team in the league at that time was the earthquakes going into that game. No one knew how to break the marking. So you send Michael fucking Boxel up and you have him running and passing the ball off of their defensive midfielder. Who's just going to back heel it back into his path right in front of the net. And they'll have no idea what to do with that. And if you just keep your team running around, like their heads are cut off. So we just need more opposition defensive midfielders doing uh, yeah. one twos with us. It would help. That's a, That is a good game plan. Yeah. Um, Hey, capitalizing on other teams' mistakes is one of the biggest keys to MLS. Yeah. It's a big reason yeah. why I feel frustration with Minnesota United this year because we they didn't do it nearly enough. Are you, are you saying San Jose as well, th- those games are, are what you're going to point to? I was going to point to the home one in particular, yeah. I mean, the LAFC game is obvious. Going to their stadium, winning 2 nothing. Huge, but to me, to me, that they didn't was have not, Carlos Vela. That was not though, a replicable so game plan because there's no. no Carlos Vela, and we're not going to play the five-three-two uh, every game. And also, we barely, we, we were very lucky in that game. Had three chances, scored on two of them. Yeah. So and two of them, yeah, and they were bangers. Um, so to me, I, I look at and, that. And, and did think, Toy play good again after that game this season? Not nearly as well. No. No. He yeah, he definitely ghosted a bit. Um, and so then this is this is a bit differently because that was a, more of a tactical question. But for, for you guys, if you are looking back at the season, I'll start with you, Jeff. Uh, best moment of the season? U.S. Open Cup semifinal. Which, though, Portland? The Portland okay. one. It's like, yep. which game is At that? home, huge atmosphere. It wasn't the first 
huge game at Allianz Field. I think that you would probably say the New Mexico United one, um, just because it's a quarterfinal of a tournament. But I think... Oh, you're pointing to the... You, yeah, there's you a scarf like right behind you. The, yeah, yeah, the Somos United... No, Chris uh, Wee and midfielder is right behind you. Yeah. <laughs> New Mexico is still here. Uh, he hasn't left. He hasn't left. He's a regular. He's missed the bus. And he he's lives like, oh, here. Oh, yeah, he's yeah. your Cliff Clavin. Uh, no, I, I, but when you're looking at that game, um, I think people kind of assumed that eventually Chalk would play out and that they could beat an expansion club in the USL Championship. But... The, the game against Portland, there was that weird two games in four days kind of thing, same stadium, so nobody knew uh, off of Sunday's game if that was both coaches like trying to like hide what their game plans would be and try to be cute about it. What kind of game was that going to end up being on Wednesday? Uh, who was fit? Darwin Quintero had just been suspended that last Sunday. Was he going to be motivated or not? What was Rodriguez going to look like? Were they going to be able to beat Portland twice? And they ended up doing it. And I think that atmosphere at Allianz Field, that was like the first moment that you could kind of feel the soul of the stadium more than just kind of the fanfare. Do you have a best moment, Bruce? You know, it's kind of obvious, but I think the funnest day of the year at the stadium was demolishing Cincinnati because that could have been a stumble. That ended up six to one, right? Seven, seven. seven to one. Okay, yeah, and, and they scored first, or or am yeah. I mixing that up with New no, Mexico as New well? New Mexico scored like, first. Yeah. yeah. Okay, New Mexico's. Um, yeah. What, so, what about that? Just in terms oh, of the like, energy, just, the, yeah. the excitement, the party atmosphere, the fun people had. You know, it was joyous. Yeah. And it didn't end until you know because they just kept pacing them all the way to the end. The, the, and, and it was so much fun. And I know that we can sit here and people who are hardcore fans say, yes, I know, but that was Cincinnati, da-da-da-da-da. But the general person in the stands had so much fun that day that I think it was a high point. Yeah, and that was like the first time you've ever seen Minnesota United play against an MLS team and be like, well, okay. Yeah. They're in the driver's seat on this one. It's yeah. not going to be a 50-50 at any chance, no way, no how. Yeah, plus they had just come off their toughest streak. Yeah. They had... Lost in Atlanta recently. They had lost at home to Philadelphia. Their only home loss this year. They had right, gone right. to Colorado and lost. I mean, they're facing a break where if they don't play great against Cincinnati, what's going to happen next? Right. And lightning. I mean, lightning. The the the, the immediate obvious uh, other answers are um, the home opener was obviously I extremely important to uh, to to literally every fan in in different ways um such a such a, a crazy day for me um uh, trying to deal with the home opener here at the bar but but like just once i got to finally get to the stadium stand in it watch the game it just felt so emotional it just w was wonderful but the 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 game that 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 really stands out is that Dallas game, right? Because that was the we score late to win, and then Manone saves a penalty, and it felt. I remember going coming back to the bar, and every, you know you can always gauge the fan base at this, this bar if the if the team lost or if it wasn't a good game, people are gone within an hour. If if the team wins, especially if they, there's just just. Back and out, just shit goes loose in people's brains, and um, and that game, people were saying this was j the the only other game like that was New York Cosmos, ninetieth uh, minute, whenever Christian scores that goal on the break, um, and we finally beat the New York Cosmos for the first time, and that game, uh, one of the last games at Nessie, not quite the last, but was was just ape shit craziness like literally everyone like people like tore other human beings limbs off just 
Uh, and and this that, this Dallas game felt like that. And I, I think I saw that, a lot of bros that wanted to tear their friends' limbs off after yeah. the Dallas game. A lot of bros. Yeah. yeah. Amen. But the, you're right. I, I distinctly now remember how loud the singing was in the bar after the game. It was beautiful. Uh, thank you, everyone, for for singing and drinking. Um, worst moments. Uh, I would argue it's the the two home draws right after the team seemed like they found their mojo. You've got Roma back. You've got all of the players who had been gone in the summer were back. And then they tied nil-nil against Vancouver uh, at home uh, against the worst team in the West this year. And then 1-1 against Orlando, one of just the worst teams in sports. Uh, and they weren't able to get two more points out of either of those games. If they had, they would be in third or second. And it boils down yeah, to that. I can't argue with those at all. For me personally, it was going to Atlanta again and losing 3 nothing in that you know, first third of the season because they got just wiped off the field right at the point where we thought this team could be good. And they went to Atlanta and just got drilled. It wasn't even close. It, was, it felt more like 10 nothing when that game ended. I think, um, I, I mean, it's, this is also you know, obvious, but the, the worst moment for me is the, the Open Cup final where it just, you cannot look back at it and not think, well, what if you just effing started Darwin Quintero? Or played a four-two-three-one. Or yeah, or played right. Played what worked. Like Play what, what works and, for and you. you. Spend that time what ifing, and um, uh, and, and that that's so frustrating. Going like, well, well, what if we had done that? And and to right. think that like because it because it feels like you just you didn't give it the you didn't give it our best. If if our best formation, best players, if Darwin had been started and not shown up for that game, then you can fault him or you can feel like oh we we gave it a try. But it didn't feel like we gave it the proper try, and that that to me was really frustrating. Yeah, um, and there and were other bad games. <laughs> there there was, were, yeah. There, <laughs> there was the uh, the loss right in that opening group of five games uh, in New England, where it just oh. looked like it was Cody's first start in like a year and a half. Oh, and, that was garbage. Yeah, and it just looked like. And then the team, I think the press conference was one where every player was like, "Oh, the wind was just how can how how can one team play against the wind and the other cannot? I don't know." Uh, it was one of those. And then there was the two zero loss in Chicago. Uh, oh. The site of the first away win uh, that was also like six days Calvo after Calvo was traded. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it was a miserable night too. Overall, yeah. it was yeah. cold. It was drizzly, and for like maybe the first time since I wasn't a teenager, I was unprepared for the weather. Yikes! You know, like when I was a teenager, yeah. I'd go in like short sleeve shirts with long greasy hair and be cool. But then I grew up and I was like, no, I'm wearing a proper coat. I got gloves <laughs> in my pocket. I got a hat. And yeah. I showed up there that night in literally a sweatshirt. And that was it. I didn't bring anything. No pants. And I froze my ass off. Did you show up with greasy hair, though? Like, just put a greasy hair wig on? And no. That would have kept your head warm. <laughs> it would have. It would have got sweaty. But it was miserable. <laughs> and they stuck us up in the corner in those metal bleachers. And, and then the team was just so rotten. Oh. I, I want to then. And the Chicago yeah. fans were a major bummer. Rightfully so, because they hated their own team and their own club and their own. Oh, that's ownership. right. Yeah. And this I was mean, right before any of the "we're going to get out of here." Everything had, had melted yeah. down between yeah. the club and the supporters, and so there were. It was just like so many of their fans came to the pregame and tailgated with us, and never went into the stadium. Oh, you go. Ooh, that's gross. And then our team played like garbage. 
Uh, I want to go through the, the team a little bit and kind of get your, your thoughts on this year and, and who succeeded, who did well. We don't have to go player by player, but in the defense, the main players there are obviously Metanier, Opara, Boxel, Gasper, Moembe, Turat, Minone, Coleman at times. It's a lot of names. But I'm wondering who, who stands out? Who were, the, who were the best and were there any stinkers? Calvo obviously should be on this list. And I think Alonzo's part of that list too. Yeah, I, okay. I put I put him in midfield because it's I know, yeah. the midfield is basically Gregush and Alonzo. So. It is, but but Alonzo's job was to protect that defense. Don't skip forward, Bruce. No, I'm just saying. This is to my me, boat. he's part of the group. <laughs> okay. You know, in part of my group. Six of them. In part of my group. Who 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 stands out, Jeff? I mean, some of these are just pretty obvious. Like Icopara is the defender of the year in MLS. In my opinion, submitted my ballot this afternoon. He got that vote. Um, Done deal. Yeah. yeah. Did you, just, do you get a vote? Yeah. Oh, I, never, I, I don't have a vote. Um, <laughs> oh, gee. Yeah. Uh, what's funny is seeing everyone else tweet out their, theirs, and I didn't see anyone not. I mean, there's a lot of talk of Miles Robinson, obviously, but I, I get it because. Yeah. Even Parkhurst, I was listening to the, uh, yeah, the Failhaber yeah. podcast, and even he said, look, I've never seen a defender as good as Miles Robinson, but I, and I voted for him. But you're going to get it, yeah. But I want to give it to Opara because yeah, yeah. he earned it. Yeah, but sorry. So Opara, obviously, yeah. But but say a bit about what like what what did Opara bring to this team? I mean, maybe we take that for granted, but what does he do there? Well, the players who have always done best are players who both have a chip on their shoulder and also haven't been left to rot with time to kill before that. Uh, and, and Ike had that mix of another strong season in 2018, 2017 Defender of the Year. Midway through 2018, they sign a $1.2 million Spanish dude and then leave him on the bench for the rest of the year, just kind of watching and learning Which the system. Fontas. Did he play against us in that? No. No. Okay. Sorry. No, he's been hurt for a long time as well. Uh, and then they brought in Botund Barath. Uh, who I still don't think is a real person. Uh, Turkish prison guard. <laughs> Turkish prison guard, Hungarian international, you name it. Those hungry Turks. He is good with his hands. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, and at shove, and falling over when Kai Kamara gets a bike against him. That was like one of my favorite plays <laughs> but, of the year. Well, sorry, Opara. So, no, sorry, but I didn't do any of that stuff, which makes him the defender of the year. Yeah. Didn't but, do any flips, didn't do any hand what stuff. Is it, what, Bruce, what does he bring? To, I mean, I assume that... Opara is your best defender of our year of, of our yeah and he 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 doesn't try and do anything he can't do but he's got surprisingly good speed yeah. not great speed but surprisingly good and he seems to give the other guys confidence and that's a huge thing that this team has never had in the back well that you know I know that like there's no bigger preacher of fix your defense first than you Bruce but um uh, you know when I when I've been harping on uh, a, a variation of your gospel. Um, uh, mine is the Luke to your Matthew, but um, uh, <laughs> I don't even know what that joke means. Anyway, but uh, but mine was, was was get one MLS captain defender. One, you know, when when Atlanta got Michael Parkhurst, it was like, why didn't we get Michael Parkhurst? Like, just just in terms of like he was available, just give him. And again, like we're paying Ike three hundred fifty thousand or something. Give him eight hundred thousand, and it is worth more than than a, a a Robin Lud or whatever. Even if Robin Lud turns out to be great, right? You can find another good winger from fucking 
Finland or, or Slovakia or wherever. I don't dis- I don't agree. Oh man, he will try to find I don't a good know if winger. There are Finland, any though. good wingers if you're, if you're <laughs> winging in Slovakia. But, like, but the, the, the the thing is, uh, but yeah, but finding a a, a centerpiece uh, captain defender is the number one thing, and they they the key. Thing that they've always been trying to fix is that they found Demidov and then they were like, well, we should give it to Calvo because he's the next best guy. Um, I will say the the uh, second defender of the year for me is not Francisco, Francisco Calvo because it's quite obvious that this team for so long was trying to say, this guy's really talented. We should adjust our tactics around him and it was completely screwing everything up. And then once you get rid of him, you know, you bring in Chase Gasper, who is uh, at times a pretty good uh, left back, and at times just a pedestrian. Yeah, he's decent. like a college, he's like a high school science teacher. You know, <laughs> he's got the khaki pants and he's got the dad hair. That's and, pregame uh, look on yeah. the team. You know, yep. I mean, yep, Docker's model. And yeah. Yet, yeah, and yet he is an upgrade. Yeah, yeah, sure. and because because he just does what he does, and like, and same with like Michael Boxall is like he's got his own ups and downs problems, but like. If you have a centerpiece of Ike, and then you've got decent guys next to him, and, and I think Metnier is a step above Boxall and, and, and Gasper, but like you've got that, and then you've got, as you mentioned, Ozzy Alonso, you suddenly, hey, you've got a defense. You can always upgrade that defense. Maybe Moembe Tarat's the answer there. Maybe another center back. Yeah, and, and where you said you and I have slightly different take on it, my feeling was they didn't go far enough. Why did they stop and not get a replacement for Boxall and get a real left fullback too when they were doing all these good things why if like again i consider there to be six defenders on a team the goalkeeper the four defenders and the defensive midfielder and they upgraded four of those six positions and my feeling was why did you if if you had a, a a leak in a hose that had six holes in it why did you only plug four i don't That's know if my i would feeling. say that box has been a hole this year though Personally, it was part of the problem. Yeah, from two years past. Why Calvo did you upgrade? Was the problem? I'm not. You know, I, I, I'm not going to argue that. I'm just saying. You also only have limited, you limited resources to bring in, I, and they did bring in Moimbe Tarat, who we'll see if he's the answer there. So they did. They at least think that they, you know, have, another have French that. guy. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not complaining yet. Uh, yeah, I, I get what you mean, but it, it at least you know we'll talk about going. Uh, well, I'll wait. I'll, I want to talk about. Uh, what they should look for in the offseason. Um, well, because I think Opara is a number two center back. I think they should go get somebody better. So then I would say that no MLS team has a number one center back. Yeah. The, the defending in this league, by the way, is worse and worse every year. Because there's every year they just keep adding two more teams. Yeah, well, they <laughs> add two the more bomb. teams, and then they have Tam, and every team is scared to sign a Tam center back, yeah. or they'll sign the wrong Tam center back. It's always one or the other. Yeah, there are teams. New England has tried, and they've failed miserably. Miserably. Minnesota tried, failed miserably. There must be agents around the world just lined up to sell guys to New England. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I've got, I've got three or four I've been pitching. Bruce. Bruce, sign Doug Johnson. Or, or no, sorry, Doug Eno. Sign this Brazilian. Yeah, that's now we're talking. Um, so midfield, Gregush, Alonzo, Dotson. Um, uh, how, how did it? Most of the time, it was Alonzo, Gregush, right? That is the, the the preferred, in in the what we would assume is the preferred uh, formation. Although assumptions here are never right. Uh, what? How did Alonzo meet 
expectations because we all knew he's one, he's one of the best ever uh, defensive midfielders in the league. But you mentioned we I didn't know if he was going to play the whole year because he's is he going to be injured? I, th- I think he played so good this year because he felt slighted. Because he, you he, once tweeted about whether he was injured and he yeah, blocked you. He blocked me. Yeah. He feels he, he the yeah. whole year he was just say shush to Bruce and and. I'll take it every time. You know, you you remember back years ago when we went after Miguel Ibarra, and the next thing you knew, he was NASL Golden Boot or not Golden Ball. Yeah. You know, literally MVP of the year because he was pissed off at what some idiots were saying about him. So I got no problem, but I don't do it to entice them. I do it because that's what I believe, and great for you know Ozzy Alonso. I know he feels spited by Seattle. You know, he feels like they let him go when they shouldn't have. So if that's his motivation, great. I like motivated players. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's the exact same kind of thing as, like, what happened with Opara. I think getting those two at, like, the first true moment of adversity. I mean, like, they've both had injuries to work through, but at least the club was always telling them, next year, next year. You're a big part of our team next year, whatever. They've won trophies, all that stuff. But for the first time, those two players actually had to reprove themselves for the first time in, like, five years. Um and it was absolutely you, to the team's benefit. I, I got a question for you because you know that Matt Beasler was once like offered to this team, and they didn't take it because he did, he wanted a like no trade clause. Right. In would would if we had had Matt Beasler from day one in MLS and made him the the centerpiece, would would that have what, what, how how what how different would our lives have been? Is Francisco Calvo still there? Yeah. Not that different than a pissed off Matt Beasley. Yeah, yeah, he would have just been furious about that. Can no, we, can we also be back to Calvo to say like, I was totally right, guys. And I just, like everyone just like you know, I give just, me some fucking applause. No, I just I love the. You have the the soundboard behind you. You can make oh, some yeah, applause. Hold on, hold on. Yeah. See there. You there go. we go. Yeah. I was hoping you'd find the laugh track instead. Uh, There's also yeah. a. Um, Ooh, the sad trombone. Good. So good. If we need that, well, but when Beesler, every I mean, time I say Calvo, <laughs> those those guys also benefited from a significant upgrade at goalkeeper. I mean, for yeah. two years, I got told by fellow fans how much they love Bobby Shuttleworth, and I'm like, you, you got to be kidding me. I mean, no. he's one of the patron that saints a, of the, the do not do not list, isn't he? Completely. Yeah. yeah. Him and Colin Warner both. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, we Mark didn't. We didn't, we didn't there, talk there about Manone. Uh, I mean, I want to go back to Greg Ush in a bit, but is Manone because Manone? Everyone would say like, oh, well, he's one of the highest paid goalkeepers. He's only paid like five hundred thousand dollars. So just because no one pays for goalkeepers, does that mean that we're idiots for? I mean, Manone is obviously not. Oh, who are the best ones? Stefan Fry. Uh, you know. Uh, Maybe is or maybe he is. Do you think Minone is yeah, an A level goalkeeper? I can't in this league? name three goalkeepers I can confidently say are better than him in MLS today. Stefan Fry is the first name I would say. I guess I guess maybe I would stop and say, okay, who would I rather have? Bill who would Hamid? I re- take Bill Hamid in a minute. I would take uh, Steve Clark in a minute. They could have had him for the last two previous years too. I love Steve Clark. Always have. Um, Sean Johnson. I take Sean Johnson in a minute. Um, okay. There's that, a whole that bunch more. He gave up. That's okay. Everyone does. Every, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. No, yeah. I mean, he gave up one all year. Right, right. Manone gave up two or three clangers. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's all I'm saying. I mean, I think he's good, but I don't think he's in the top five of the league. Manone. Yeah. Okay. Um, would you 
but he's a massive upgrade Go, for this and team. Going into the offseason next year, if if I told you, hey, we're going to sign Manone, he's going to be here for the next two to three years, you you would be like, yeah, cool. I'd be like, oh, well, okay. Okay. Oh, well. They, I mean, they could do a lot worse. So, <laughs> Like you'd uh, have no, your resume you know, in and they didn't I, go like, with I you. Know, like, right. I've known you long enough to know that that's a pretty good that's I a pretty think so. Good. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to complain. Let's put it that way. I would yeah, love to I'm, see that actually join the post-game rankings you have. New category that's just, oh, well. <laughs> like, they played, yeah. but nah, I got uh, through it. So I want to go back to the midfield. Jan Gregush obviously was one of the... Um, uh, I guess marquee signings, right? Because he was a is he designated a DP? player? He is yeah. a DP. Okay, uh, so he's a DP. So obviously he's a marquee signing. Um, it seems around the league, uh, you've got the realtors at MLS.com who are like starting to talk him up and about how good he is. Um, it feels like uh, fans took a longer time to come around to that, right? Because they were all on the Metaneer bandwagon. Yeah. I think that's I, and a big I told part people, uh, you know, slow, pull the reins, buddy. Okay. I think slow another, down. Another Samson. part of it is it's really hard to assess a box to box midfielder because they're not a good box. Like some of the best number eights, like if you're going to go like actually like the best, like Andres Iniesta, like you're not going to see him getting 10 goals in a season or 10 assists. And so you're looking, and I think that. This is still a league that very much loves counting stats, in my personal opinion. I mean, you've got double assists, secondary assists, and yeah, that helps Gregish's case a little bit. Same with Valeri's this year. But I, I think it's a lot harder to look and say at the end of a game, like, this is what him being on the field led to. You, he's not going to get as many interceptions as Ozzy. He's not going to get the same goals as Darwin. And so I think it was just much more difficult to actually say, like, he's making a positive impact. So what does he do? Well, who's who, who did he replace, kind of technically? Ibsen. 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 Yeah. Ibsen's fault was the mistakes. Grey Goose only made a couple of mistakes. That's huge. Right there yeah. in the middle of the park with the other team coming at you, don't screw up. Don't send a back heel to Alfonso Davies, maybe. Yeah. Don't screw up, and you're doing pretty good, because that's a vulnerable position. Guys, this, is a, this is a safe space for Ibsen. This is a this is a temple. It can be for him. Yeah, <laughs> I, that's fine. No one liked Ibsen more than I did. Me, I did. No one liked him more. You might have liked him the same amount, but no one liked him more. <laughs> I have a fucking candle I burn in this bar because. Uh, when was the it. last time you were in my bedroom? <laughs> that's all I'm Actually, saying. That's a good question. Actually, when right? was the last time you were in Bruce's bedroom, Wes? Thursday. You know what's really sad is when was the last time anyone was in oh. my bedroom. That's the sad. <laughs> Last yeah. one was the last time Thursday. Uh, all right. So, um, but yeah. So, but okay. So that's one thing he doesn't do. But uh, does he bring more than just not be Ibsen? Because I can put a lot of people out there who are not Ibsen. Yeah, but they, they make but they make mistakes. You know, they make that key mistake every third game, and and he didn't. He didn't. He probably made three mistakes all year, and that's pretty damn good for that position. Yeah. Do I wish he had three or four goals? Yeah. I th- I He's think, not worth DP money. I'm sorry. I think I would put a DP at center back or number six before at number eight. I any day of the week. One thing I look at for him is that um, a lot of times we would be hoping that a guy, I think the expectation of him is like when, when people would write their scouting reports based on like having watched the highlights from one Europa League uh, game. It's like, oh, well, he can pick a killer pass or do this thing. And he doesn't pick the killer pass. 
Um, he does a decent job of passing forward. Um, he, he, you know, he's not one of those like get the ball, turn around, pass backward. <coughs> Schuler. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, wow. He doesn't make a lot of tackles, but he does a decent amount of uh, defensive work. Um, he just he. I know what you're saying when you said he doesn't do much wrong, but he also, like, he does a decent amount that's all pretty good. And I think that, um, uh, that does that then mean that it's, we should, that Gregush is a position we should say, well, we need to improve on that, right? Or is he I, doing I think you're his- fine in that role for another season, at least, personally. I think that that would still be an area I'd look at for, like, a super draft selection. Like, who is going to be the next number eight? Can we get that? Can we make up for passing on Jackson Ewell and actually bring someone in who can learn behind Gregorsh and take over in a year or two? I think that's worth it. But no, I think that he's a Sharpie starter. Well, yeah, yeah. That's what I was going to no, say. He, he'll be no. a six. Yeah. I think in MLS, he'll be like a Dax McCarty style six. Hmm. I'd yeah. like to see him make a, a really good tackle then first. Before you should. I, that's okay. No, that's I okay. Yeah, that. yeah. yeah. I mean, because one of the things about Dotson is that his bangers, right? I mean, the, that, and if we're talking about the midfielders, three of them. Yeah. Let's not get crazy. But he only played how many minutes? I mean, just saying. Just uh, saying. The man came out of nowhere, and literally on, on when he was drafted this year, I remember making a joke because uh, the realtors again on MLS.com, uh, they were like, "Oh, MLS took Hassani Dotson," and they <clears throat> they said something like, "Well, he's a midfielder from Portland." Or wherever he's from, from Oregon State or something like that. Like they literally knew nothing about him, and it was the such draft, a surprise. To me, has you can get a couple players, but the analysis of the draft has no value to oh, me. Oh, sure, no, nope. none, zero. I don't nope. even listen to it. I don't care if you can get a player. Good for you. Yeah, yeah. But what I was but saying, I don't is like, expect anything. At ever. least, at least players like Miles Robinson, Abu Dhabi, and all these people, kind of people, or Mason Toy, like people had like expectations, and they kind of meet or do. The, but like, it's rare that like on those analysis, even the guys who are like the content machines didn't know. They were like, uh, who? Um, and so, Chris, do you want to do want to bring me a beer and me a ginger ale? I'm good, thank you. You're the man. <laughs> Chris Scheid, ladies and gentlemen. There we go. Um, <laughs> so, Hassani Dotson was, was a part of that midfield. And one of the problems going forward that we've seen is that you've got this guy who's obviously, he was, he's a rookie of the year candidate. His main problem is that he emerged as a left back played a little bit as a right back, then it's obvious that, that midfield is his position, but there's no space for him unless you play this t- tactic that l- does not work for Minnesota United, or at least in its, its current iteration. Well, if you do a 4-3-3, one of those three in the center has to be a almost full-time attacking player. Yep. Um, yes. And, and, and be, yeah, and be, or at least like really good at possessing and moving forward. Yeah. 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 I won't go into the Seattle game of what 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 we saw there, but yeah, it was just like we can't. You got someone has to hold this, guys. Um, let's move to the attack. It's almost like somebody doesn't know how to run a four three three. Who who? I don't know. Uh-huh. Somebody. It's probably it's probably Miguel. It's probably his fault. Uh, we in the attack we had a lot of people. I'm I'm including just basically that all the uh, strikers etc. Kevin Molino, Darwin Quintero, Robin Lud. Miguel Ibarra, Ethan Finley, Mason Toy, Angelo Rodriguez. I'm leaving out Romario, who was the center point for a while. 
Um, but those are basically the players who, who came in, right? Miguel, first half of the season. Uh, Molino only came in second half of the season. Um, who for who? Jeff. Who for who? who Is that the question? Who, okay. who stood out here who as excelling? You? Like who, what? Or tell me, actually, who, no, no. Before you go into the players, talk to me about the attack, right? Because in the past years, uh. the attack was give up three goals, but we scored four goals, or we scored one goal. But at least, like, there was always this dynamism in the attack. What, how do you sum up this year in, in the attack? Uh, gross. Is that is that? Can yeah, I just, why? Well, okay, why? Be, well, so, so they scored two more goals than they had in 2018. But when you consider that seven of them came against the worst MLS team since Minnesota has joined MLS, like there hasn't been a worse team 2017, 2018 that was as bad as Cincy. So the worst opponent they could have ever faced since joining MLS. They faced them. They did what they should have. Great, but. Beyond that, they actually were worse in the attack. Uh, pretty much position by position. Uh, Rodriguez has averaged 0.3 goals per 90 since signing with Minnesota last summer. Uh, Quintero, I think four of his 10 goals came off of penalties within the first month and a half of the season. Um, Finley never quite hit that kind of same level that he was hitting before his injury. I would say like his tenure with Minnesota before the ACL was so much better and just so much more effective maybe. Sure, but I, I feel like Finley was one of the, throughout the summer where it was like, oh, this player's streaking, this player's streaking. Finley was one of the few players who like was consistent at least. Oh, he was consistent. He, but maybe he wasn't always an A level. No. But he was no. he was rarely C level, you know, and he was getting he was getting some goals and doing things in ways that the wingers were not, you know. But if but if the C level is your bright spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. not good. Your kids yes. being held back for a grade. Yeah. Almost certainly. No, that's not how education works. No, Solid that's exactly C. how it works. Yeah, yeah. Solid C is your best. Or if I would <laughs> my vernacular Solid okay. Um, uh, so, so then, uh, moving it over to, to you, Bruce, then, are there reasons for that, for that, the problem in the attack? Is it, is it player by player, or is it just is something bigger? Is it that we finally decided we could defend, and then it was like, oh, well, we should just do this? There was a lot of times the defense got lucky. And that's part of the deal, and that's great. But there's a lot of times when they could have given up an extra goal and just for dumb luck, the other team hit the woodwork three times when Manone was beaten. And then you have to go to the other end of the field and make them pay, and they had no killer on the field this year. They did not have a stone-cold killer. And I think that really hurt them. Yeah, I, I'm, I mean, one of the things I'm most upset about this team is that um, – I was very skeptical and upset, obviously, about Angelo replacing my uh, my longtime love, Christian Ramirez. Um, and it took me a while. I tried to be very, um, uh, uh, you know, I tried to be accepting of this of this new father figure in my life. And uh, and then finally I did. And then the motherfucker gets benched. And yeah. so I, probably, I I was like, you know what? Finally, by 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 April and May, I was like, I understand what he brings to the team. Yeah, and actually that. One of his last games he started was that San Jose game. Or one of the last maybe effective performances, not one of the last games. I think he kept going until late 
mid-July, he picked up a lower leg injury, missed a game. Mason Toy looked good. And then Mason kind of became the guy until the last week of the season. And I have no idea what's yeah. going to go on with that. But yeah, no, I, I don't understand that benching. I, I don't understand the, the setup most of the time. I don't understand when you have Miguel Ibarra playing on the left wing, which has always been kind of his, his worst role among those three behind the striker. Left, uh, left fullback in Mexico was maybe his worst role. Center back yeah. in Mexico was his worst. Was it center back? Did he get moved uh, Yeah, that was a story he told me about at a different publication where his third coach came in at Lyon and had yeah. no idea who he was, so he was making his training roster. He was like, uh, you're playing center back. And Whoever, the teammates who, had to be like, he's he, actually not. What coach has ever looked at Miguel and been like, that dude, I bet center like a, back. A U12 coach, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. He's He's... He's like shorter than some U twelve players, so yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, so, but I, I guess um, one one thing is that you've got Darwin Quintero, you mentioned, um, who quite obviously struggled this year. Um, was very streaky, and you know we talked about so why? Yeah, that's what I've been racking my brain. Why? Why is he so streaky? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. You know what's the real no reason? What the hell's going on? Well, you know, you and, could, and I'm not speculating on anything. I'm just throwing stuff in the air. Did he become a drinker? Did, not uh, at this bar. Is he having a bad? Is he having a bad time at home? Is he um, hating living in America? Is or is he, he just not motivated? And I will say too, his inconsistency was a big part of his calling card, even when he was in Liga MX, especially with Club America. I think once he got that move, some of the same just like tenacity that really became a part of his DNA at Santos. Some of that went away. And then, of course, when you're at Club America, you're going to get rotated out a lot for no reason, even if you're the, the, the Champions League starter. Just like Minnesota. Yeah. Yes, he's so, a, it's like a Champions League club already. Um, and, and one thing about him is that for a while, it took him a while to, to gel with uh, Angelo. He, he had a very good connection with uh, Christian, and Angelo plays very differently. We reshaped the team around having this uh, fulcrum that would absorb the ball, not score goals, somehow shoot literally every time into a defender. Um, and that that Darwin like did seem to get a, 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 and it was the Houston game, the Open Cup game, right, away, um, where Darwin seemed to get that understanding with Angelo, or it, you finally saw it click. And, and we saw it again in... Um, uh, the was it the the Sporting KC game where Angelo came in the second half? Yeah, and and you it was like oh yeah yeah they can they they oh, the have that inst- game like in, a week yeah. ago. Yeah. Yes, yeah, sorry. Um, and they had that instinctive like movement, and you're like yeah, that's what we want to see. Um, I, I don't. I, none of us know the answer about Darwin, but did anyone in and, that and that stuff that I said was bullshit? Just so no one gets the wrong. No one idea. pays attention to anything you say. Yeah, but I'm just. Uh, I was. Making yeah. that stuff up. I'm yeah. not, I don't believe any of it. So, so let me ask you, did, did, who was the best attacking player this year? And why was it Robin Lud? <laughs> <laughs> it might have been Romario Ibarra. If I'm being honest, and if I'm just going like per 90, who just tried the most shit? who was most consistently threatening, who maybe left you wanting more in terms of like, ah, oh, you probably should have buried that chance, but at least you created a chance. He may have been their best attacker this year. Because if I'm looking at the rest of this roster, I'm seeing at least an eight-game cold streak for each of them over now, the last season. I, I will, I'll fight you on Kevin Molino. He That's only, exactly what I was thinking. He came in the second half 
And at worst, he, he there were a couple games where he was just uh, was a little bit invisible. Um, but I thought that he he was to me. I should. I think he should have been nominated as a comeback player of the year. Sure, um, didn't quite blow up enough, but he looks really good. Um, and he leveled off. And I yeah. was. I always yeah. thought that um, when at the beginning of the season, in the pre preseason uh, podcast, we were talking about Kevin Molino and Darwin Quintero is kind of interchangeable. And then more and more, I, I realized Darwin's not a ten. He's a second striker. He's the Kool Aid Man. Runs into people. The ball suddenly magically ends up on the other side of them, and then he scores it. Um, Kevin Molino, his passes to Mason Toy. If we're talking about connections there were perfect, right? Because he and Mason Toy, I think, said this in, in probably something you wrote. Um, maybe there's other people who write things, but they're not interesting. Um, they're not here either. They're not. <laughs> Don't see them. None of you? No, no? defense. No defense. Uh, that, uh, that like, uh, Mason Toy, or Molino told Toy, this is what I want you to do. Do this thing. And Toy... Obedient man. Does but there, is that his new nickname, the Obedient Man? I've tried so many nicknames for him. The librarian didn't stick. That's, that's so. better than as many Toy Story puns as you can muster. I'll say that. Um, if I, Kevin Molino has two modes. MLS Best 11, not there. That's it. Like Either he is playing and sending in those passes where you're like, yes, that is why he's a regular starter for Trinidad and Tobago. Yes, this is why Kaká said he was his favorite teammate that he played with in MLS. That makes so much sense. And then there are so many performances where you're like, oh, Molina was subbed off in the 60th and had no idea he came out of the locker room at halftime. But that's, that's the nature of creative players, though, right? You don't see a... You no, don't, no. How many creative players out there do you think, do you see out there and they're like... Oh, they were great one week, and they were just okay. Or they were good this week, but like Diego Valeri, Ignacio Piatti, Federico Iguain. Uh, I think Felipe Gutierrez. Goals. No, these are creative players. Diego Valeri at his modern moment, like Piatti, no, but those are players who are setting up their teammates far more than they're playing. Okay. Yeah, Molino goes from being good and making. He made the best passes of anyone on the team this season. Might only have been six or seven of them, but they were the six or seven best. But the other mode is, I'm just out for a jog. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Right. I'm literally jogging around the neighborhood. I have no idea what's going on. I'm just jogging. Here we are. Oh, the other team just took the ball and's going the other way? Well, I'll jog down there then. Oh, we got it back. We're going the other way? Well, I'll jog back down towards our goal then. Do you want him to go back the other direction again, too? I think <laughs> are we, are we we're due for a turnover, yeah. I just didn't want to stop the jogging. I was right there with you the whole time. Uh, Mason, yeah. I wanted, before we move on, I want to say something about Mason Toy or ask about Mason Toy. Mason Toy it became very clear toward the end of the season that Adrian Heath saw him as the main striker. Is he the future, uh, is he the presumptive man next year? Presumptive, yeah. I hope not. But right now, you would have to say, is it him or Abu Dunladi? It's obviously him. I think that his ceiling is higher than Jeremy Abobasi's and lower than Kyle Lahren's. I didn't even put Dunladi in my, uh, my no, list. No, you did not. No, you did not. I thought about saying him as the best attacker, but I couldn't. But then you were like, I, I have a it. reputation. It no can do. Modest at best. Yeah, but no, that's freelance jokes. That's what those are. Um, all right. Uh, I want to I wanna ask you. I wanna, We're going to take a break in a minute. But... Um, then I want to ask you to rate the two things, coaching and then obviously the front office transfers. How then was the coaching this year? Passing grade. 
I'll say it. Can oh, I just say it in boy, Chris, Can you say it in an English accent? No, though? I won't. Not at this hour. Passing gray, mighty. That was almost Irish, and I'm going to let that happen. Uh, we are not editing that out. Um, yeah, that wasn't even Irish. No. I don't know what the hell that was. <laughs> that was actually, that was, um, that was a uh, pirate was, who hasn't talked to another in, human in a there month was, and is nervous. In Octonauts. That was him. That is like somebody. Rodrigo's not here. I can't. Yeah, that is sorry. somebody in the stall, and someone just knocked to see if you're in there, and you're like, "Someone's in here," and it's a voice you've never made and could never replicate. That was your voice. Excellent, passing grade, Métis. Uh, no, genuinely though, I, I, this year in the past there were games where you could point to stretches. And you would say, what was that decision? What was that decision? These substitutions came late. Uh, I think Adrian Heath's substitutions were much better in 2019 than they were in 17 or 18. Um, I think that there were, there, there were some obvious games where it was like, yes, you exploited something no other MLS team had. Uh, if you look at the San Jose game, uh, midseason, and the LAFC game at Bank of California Stadium, those two were... I mean, yeah, of course, I think the, the, the thing that often came out of that was, well, of course you should do that. Of course it makes sense to play on the counter and keep your space uh, and keep your team compact against LAFC, but no one had done it. Right. So there were a couple of games like that where um, he definitely got positive results for them. So in that sense, I would say, yeah, it's a passing grade for Adrian Heath this year. One, one interesting question that um, we were talking about a few weeks ago on the podcast, and then I've like secretly put to a few non-Minnesota journalists, because some of it is like, I don't, honestly, I get so frustrated with the things that Adrian Heath says that I don't, I, I know that I have no ability to unbiasedly uh, um, uh, evaluate. Um, but it was, you know, what percent of this year's difference, you know, we, we had uh, 16 more points this year. Yeah. What percentage of those were the coaching and what percent was just Icopara, right? You know, or, or, or any other thing. I had on the podcast said 30. I was feeling generous. I will tell you that um, of the journalists and realtors that I secretly polled, only one of them said something other than zero. And they said 15% because Heath gave time to and gave space to Dotson and Gasper and Toy. And I, I think that that is legit. Like in the past, we've said he has not given time. You know, Alex Schieferdecker will have his endowed chair of uh, um, of players that he's going to rave about. Why don't you give Wyatt Olmsberg uh, minutes? But he gave these three guys minutes, and some of it was just necessity, right? Like, well, Calvo's gone. We only have one left fullback. But he could have, like he's done in the past, he could have found. Um, a Tyrone Mears endowed chair of player who you just randomly throw in a position. And he gave that time to them. And they shown three players, three, not rookies, but three very young players came out this year. And I think that that at least is a, a positive coaching decision that, that we got to see this year. And, and something that like, you know, these guys are not like homegrown guys, but you love seeing that. Like, love seeing a Mason toy who is like a nascent. Like, we're just watching a, a prequel of a, a villain come out because like, he is. He's got some good villainry to him. You remember the first time we saw Mason toy? He came out in this game at TCF Bank Stadium. He was, that, was the game against Vancouver. I have no idea who it was, but it was a the court. elbow against Kendall Waston in the no, box. No, 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 that oh, was okay, when he gets okay. red carded. Um, no, that it was, was amazing. It was when he comes out his first first minute in as a as a professional athlete. And he comes out, and it's a corner kick, and he just pushes a dude. 
<laughs> he came right, in, right. he found the biggest guy, and he, during, and he shivved him. Sub during the and corner then, kick, yeah. yeah. What was it? His second appearance was in Orlando, and that's when he had given that amazing kind of flick-on assist to Ethan Finley, and then was looking at the camera, just going, it's over, baby, with the slit throat. Yeah, well, that no, was like his second sh- thing, he too. Shush. He did all of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah in like uh, five yeah. seconds. He's, it was actually a, very natural for him. He's a proper villain. And I, like, yeah, he's a dick. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, um, so, uh, and then I want to say about the, the, in the past, we haven't known last two years. We haven't known, are we bad because Manny can't sign players or bad because we have a bad coach. And so this year it is at least very obvious. I think I'm going to ask you about uh, like Manny and the, the front office acquisition. Cause it's not just Manny. It's, it's a, a, a team of them this year. Give me a grade for this year for them. They get a B plus. What so? What makes it not an A? In the first two years were Fs. Sure. You know they got a B yeah. plus. They actually That's... did worse the winter before 2018 than the winter before 2017, because at least before 2017 you had no idea what you were trying to do, or you had too much that you had to do. Right. And so of course a percentage of it was going to suck. Of course. But if you're looking at that winter of 2018 where you sign Tyrone Pe- Mears, Tyrone Mears, Lampson, Pangop, Owundi, Harrison Heath. Oh. Um, mm. there's there's two more I'm missing. Don't say bad things about paying up party though. No, 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 no paying up, no party. But he's, I, I he's think pretty, he's, he's he's killing the third division Austrian league, right? First division. Is he in first division? He went to the first division on a free. Damn. Yeah, yeah. Identify that talent at least. Um, no, but there wasn't a does single. Does that bring move. down Jesse Marsh's grade? Yeah, it definitely does tremendously. Yeah, yeah. No, if paying up scores against Salzburg, we riot. Deal, deal. Uh, so sorry, sorry, I interrupted. Like, but 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 in terms of then this year stepping forward, who was the biggest miss this year? Robin Lud. Okay. And to, to the point, though, where I don't know what he could have done once I saw his salary figure. I don't know what he could have done to justify it. He hired the right agent. Oh, he did. Oh, he absolutely did. But I love those kind of guys. I do, but, too. Um, I do, too. But it... it more power to him. Here's, here's some fun trivia for you. Oh, give it. Which loon only an MLS play has the most goals plus assists total? Uh, we're looking at... A so so in in the MLS era, MLS who era is the most goals. Only and assists? looking at league games. League games. Yep. Who's the your most choices? Goals and you have. I'll give you four choices. A. Alexi Gomez. B. <laughs> Robin Lud. C. Jose Leyton. Or D. Carter Manley. Oh fuck! Yeah, it's Carter Manley. <laughs> <laughs> Only one who has an assist. Oh. Only one. Oh my god. But but Robin Lud has oh so league because you're saying league in MLS he's, Robin, yeah, he's yeah, gotten yeah. so much playing time and and there's someone pointed out to me once and I completely agree with it what's Robin Lud's second best moment you can point to the goal against no. Atlanta yeah yeah done that's the best that's the best for sure name another that yeah I would say he has a, a half dozen good passes turns. Um, he looks like he knows how to play the game of soccer. Dribbles. Um, and the, you know, the, the real problem is that is, is there's when only you're, like three guys on the team who can dribble. You know, and, if, and he's one of them. That's true. Actually, yeah, that's true. That's true. There's the yeah. bike that he oh, tried oh. the hell out of, uh, which on fan appreciation night that was the free giveaway. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't know, man. I, look, 
yes, it's very hard to adjust to a new league in the middle of the season. Yes, it's incredibly hard to be thrown into an 11 too, right off the bat. But if you're paying that much money, he should at least have three and three right now. Yeah. That and, is and, like and that is top 50 MLS salary this year. I still, I still will say, look, I'm not going to fully evaluate Lud until uh, May of next year. Oh, I'm not fully evaluating yeah, but, him yet. But yeah, but I'm so just far saying he's the that biggest was, miss. Yeah, he's yeah. given actually nothing. Is there any, nothing. any other candidate? I mean, if we look at all the players who came in, so we've got the draftees we talked about, but um, Vito Manone, Aiko Parra, um, uh, uh, Moimbe Tarat, I think might also still be in that. Like, we don't know. No, he's made an impact. Mm, okay. He, he's, he's been... Uh, better at left back than playing Miguel Ibarra at left back. <laughs> you know, like he actually looks like he's played or that Hassani position. Dotson or Hassani back. Dotson. I would completely agree yeah. with you. Yeah. He offers and, much and more at that position. He's, he's been better at it than Eric Miller was. At left back, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Um, and so, and then you've got Ramon Metnir has been good. Uh, Jan Gregush. Um, who am I missing? That's about That's it. really it. That's I mean, it. genuinely, so the only all two. Those, all of those players, you would yeah. say, at least have been a B to A signing, right? Yeah, that's why I said B plus. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, there we go. Thanks, yeah. thanks, Teach. All right, let's I'll, go back to Roman Metanier for a moment, though. Yeah, he, he needs to. People love, especially from that first half dozen games. Yep. His crossing ability, and even from game one, I said, if you can stand on the sideline and kick a ball across, is that actually good? I mean. I, I will say that what I love about him is I think that he is rarely in a bad position defensively, even though he's moving forward a lot. I disagree with that, but I would say he has one of the better recovery rates of any defender in Major League Soccer. Yeah, he's done good Watching there. him backtrack, he okay. is very good at that part of it. He rarely is exploited. Maybe I should say that. Both goals that the Chicago Fire scored came with them just lobbing that ball right into where Roman used to live. Name another game. Uh, probably the week after that. Name another game. Vancouver, I think, actually got a shot off of that thing too. Okay, name a fourth game. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna go ahead and say Philly did. I would say you're wrong. Philly definitely did. Um, I, I I think that what he brings is is I think that he is a really solid defender. I think he doesn't. He does more than just like randomly cross the ball in. I think that he also does a good job of cutting back and finding dudes, but. I think that the team early on, like once there were like those two, three games where he did really well at it, then the whole team was like, give it to him. Which if you're looking at your fullback to be the uh, uh, attacking fulcrum, there's a problem there. And I, I don't think that that is Metonier's problem. I think that that's being foisted upon him. Foisted? I, I think his best attribute by far is his ball control. <laughs> his ball along the mm -hmm. sideline when he is trapped yeah. in there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Yeah. He's incredible at it. Getting out of those nooks and crannies and keeping the ball moving up the field and oh man, it's cool well, stuff. It's yeah. really cool stuff. Like an English muffin. This podcast sponsored by Nooks and Crannies. Uh, I want to take a break. We've been going a, a while. I want to take a break and come back and talk about a few things. Okay, we are back on the 55-1 podcast. This is going to be a long podcast, but that's because uh, we've got smart human beings here and um, uh, unlimited beer. So uh, uh, 
there's there's a couple questions coming from the the audience, and rather than do the like hand the microphone to someone, uh, we we distilled them uh, with our with our um, large audience members. We had some interns go through the crowd and, and get get this. Um, the first question is um, uh, from uh, Steve Lindley. It is. Uh, is Miguel Ibarra the best left winger in uh, Minnesota United MLS history? And that being the caveat of Miguel has not been a great left winger. So why do we have so much trouble getting a good left wing player there? I think the number one answer is that it's, I don't know if it's left wing or left fullback is literally the hardest position to fill on any team in the world. Yeah, left back. That's for a sure. big part of for it, for sure. Yeah, but I and so I think that's part of it. But I think it's also the the determination for the most part. Well, no, the best left winger that the team's ever had is Sam Nicholson. But only if you're looking at the first four games of 2018 and you forget about his 2017. <laughs> uh, I mean it though. That those four games, man, that stretch made sense. That was when it was Ethan Finley on the right, Kevin Molino at the number ten, uh, Sam Nicholson at left wing, uh, and then Christian Ramirez yeah. up top. And then they started falling like flies. Well, Abu Denladi started the opener, didn't he? There's a there's a, a, a small small sliver of of Minnesota United uh, fandom that is like. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I can hear them. Right, Sammy. Um, no, you're right. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that's <laughs> that's it. And then they traded him, as we talked about last year at this time, yeah. about how Colorado came calling for Colin Warner, and then negotiated their way up to Sam Nicholson yeah. for the same player. Yeah, that blew my mind last year. I remember, that was fun. I that was a good moment. Um, uh, uh, Bruce, you want to answer that question? Why is just a hard position to fill? Yeah, for some reason. It never is a point of emphasis in developing players. I don't know what it's about, but you go around the world, and that is a hard position to fill. A lot of times the players that have success there are inverted, and they come inside and use their right foot. So it's a very odd position to fill. Can, can I ask you this, and I'm, I'm, this one's off the cuff, so maybe you won't have it, but is there a left winger in the league who you'd be like, boom, let's get him? Jonathan Lewis. Right. Okay. I think that they should have made a right. move for Jonathan Lewis this last winter. That would have made a lot more sense to me. Um, I mean, How much he did a, he cost Colorado? 350 Whoa. I think. No, no, Lewis was more than that. I think that might have been the, the loan for Abubakar, but How much in... How many Robin Ludes did he uh, cost? Less than one Robin Lude. Mm. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Plus a salary of like 100K. Yeah. You know, the other thing we forget too is that sometime in the 70s in the United States, Ludes were uh, outlawed. They were banned. You couldn't get Ludes anymore. Yeah. No, and then they I made a comeback a, and they don't have the same potency yeah. that they yeah, used yeah, no. to. Yeah, and the thing, the thing is, like, I've been doing, we've been at the bar every time Robin Ludes uh, scores, we give out free Quaaludes. So it's a, it's a thing. It's a good promo. It's completely illegal. <laughs> so, um, uh, next question uh, comes from uh, Andy Johnson, right? Johns. Johns. Okay, sorry. Andy Johns, who's completely shy and will not talk to any human being. Um, uh, but Andy... Uh, he gave me a French fry. This is from uh, previous... I didn't get a French it's fry. A, that's a, it's a cut from previous podcasts where... Uh, oh, you're right. Uh, anyway, yeah, just throw a Andy asked a question. Just, just this, just the change. Jesus, guys, I've got to clean this bar in the morning. It's a fry. It's a fry. Does uh, does the the playoff format change this year help 
Minnesota or Hurt? Because right, because we, we're you've got all single elimination. It's just uh, based on home uh, home preference goes to help where you finish. Helped why? Big time because they've had they've been great at home. So getting the home games huge. I mean, you you I didn't look I did I didn't look at the Las Vegas odds today to see what the line was early, the early line. But I would have to imagine that if they're not favored, it's even to beat the Galaxy at home. And they've never beat the Galaxy, by the way, in MLS. But I would think that the line has got to be even or slight advantage. And then when they have to go away, they've won five away games at all pretty good places to win away games. You know, they won at Red Bull Arena. They won at LAFC. They where else have they won? They won at uh, place, place, place. They've won five. Um, well, five uh, but I'll, I'll, I guess <laughs> anyway. I'll say this: like the, the one bummer about them losing in Seattle is that if they had drawn and stayed in second, yeah. yep, then they host Dallas, and then they host the winner of Seattle Portland, and that is a way better path to the the final. Than that's, that's hosting the Galaxy though. and hosting hosting uh, Zlatan. You're right. It's not. No, no. It's, but uh, but if you're I'm, looking at how does it change, and let's pretend the table's the exact same, they would have still hosted the Galaxy in the old format. And that would have been in that weird knockout round that had Saad Abdul Salam's double post uh, PK against the Timbers in 2016. Um, and it would have been the single elimination still, so it would have been the Galaxy showing up. But it also would have meant if they had won, they would have had a home and away against LAFC. Right. So they would have brought them in, and they won on aggregate 3-1 this year. Yeah. So they would have felt very confident about that, I would imagine. And, and I, Actually, I, I think that one, if two playoff games with Carlos Vela, we're not winning that. Oh, no, Minnesota but wouldn't. One, we can pull off yeah. one more, even though we, right. you know, we've had a good year against LAFC. But, yeah, but, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, I, think, I think the format hurt. And I think it also hurt in part because... Um, more teams making the playoffs means there are more teams that feel like they can knock you out. And I think that uh, as far as seven seeds go, watching Dallas on that final day just run laps around SKC, they're going to be the only team from spots five through seven that feel confident going into the playoffs. And they were probably the least bad of the three bad teams that didn't want to make the playoffs between Portland, San Jose, and Dallas. They were probably the best, barely, um, and now they're in the playoffs. And I don't think that's going to affect Minnesota directly, but they still would have had one, probably two home games in the old format. So I think if you're finishing fourth, that's where it gets more difficult. So the question from Chris is, what is the identity going forward? You've seen Robin Lude in the left. You've seen them move around. And you actually wanted to talk a little bit more about what you think Heath's you know, the identity of this, this team might be. I mean, what it's become is keep your defensive shape capitalize on the county when you have it and most of all trust that the players you put on the field have the talent to make smart individual decisions it's a much more player facing system than most coaches have in mls right now in the sense that he'll say like look angelo you're good at hold up play we're gonna work off of that or darwin you feel best when you're able to carry the ball for a while same with kevin if you're able to get the ball and dribble with it a couple times, get past a guy, you're going to feel so much more confident than if I have you in that, like, Mesut Ozil zone five years ago when I, he I was think, good. And I think that it makes sense then a little bit why Mason Toy is then preferred, right? right. Mason Toy is way more, I'm going to run off the shoulder, I'm going to do that, yep. Yep. Um, try to get on the break. 
the the one problem is then you have you have and Darwin Quintero is great on the break. Almost all of his great moments have been as a counterattacking player. Uh, Finley's a the good, whole team. Finley's yeah. well, some yeah. of them some yeah. of them are better, right? And, but they do it in different ways. Angelo is good on the break, but in a way different way, right? Angelo is. Get it to him. He will move it on, and then and he'll hold it up. He'll 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 Pablo Campos and fall over, and he'll do things that 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 are it's different than Mason Toy, right? So, but also to me, Darwin Quintero only works in that that format as a second striker. Absolutely. If you put him on the wing, Lost. he is not effective. So nope. Darwin Quintero, if you're doing the four three three, is don't don't even bother with Darwin. Um, right. And and, and yeah. the other thing is like then you need Mason Toy to be magical because then you. You've got like, you know, Inchy Magic. You know, Robin Lude is not someone I imagine playing on the yeah Inchy Magic hashtag. You get a, hashtag. Um, if you know, Robin Lude does not seem to be good on the counter. He seems basically like Miguel Ibarra, right? Like he's. If we look at all the problems we had with Miguel earlier in the season, where Miguel wasn't finishing. He does a lot of like backward passing. Miguel is only great when he feels confident, and he felt confident last year for a period. Um, but he was not bad this year. Robin Lund has not been bad this year. He's just been, he's just been well okay. You know, like I'm not holding Robin Lund to the same level of expectation that I'm holding Miguel Ibarra, though. Really? No. Not at all. Okay. If, well, if I'm you know spending, what Miguel Ibarra can do. Yeah, well, first, there's that. But purely, my expectations for a player on three hundred, three hundred fifty thousand dollars $350,000 who doesn't take an international spot are that sure. floor that I'll accept is so much lower than an international spot, $950,000. Okay. Yeah. That player has to be sending in either 10 goals or 10 assists or a combination that adds up to 18. Or something I that, need that, that... Some yep. sort of magic, right? No, it's not, it's not magic. I want... End product at that point. He's, inchy magic. He is he, the he needs second. To, he needs to slip in some in, no, no, inchy no, magic. He's the second highest paid player on this roster. He earns more than Jan Gregors. You're expecting that player to do more than you would expect from Miguel Ibarra. I to contribute. I literally yep. have Bruce whispering inchy magic, inchy magnet in my ear. Yo, you're welcome. Uh, yeah, this so, is what today's for. Uh, I want to I wanna kind of that get, kind of get toward the end here, but a, a few questions here. If Minnesota bombs out of the playoffs, how like all right, we we host LA Galaxy. We lose three to one. How successful is this year? The only, it's still a success. It's still yeah. a success. It's still a huge step forward from where they were at this time last year okay. and two years ago. But I will also say they got lucky uh, that they have Zlatan as the opponent because if you lose three one to Portland this year or Dallas, disaster. If you had lost three one in this round to even RSL, I would say. Not good enough if you'd hosted. But if it's Slaton and he scores one and Pavone gets one or whatever, then at least people will be like, whoa, it's the Galaxy. And people won't be shocked by that anymore. I will, I will say this, though. You know, I've, I've, like, when I've talked to, especially after the first year when I talked to Dr. Bill, we talked about like Atlanta versus Minnesota. One thing he said about Atlanta is that, well, they spent all that money and all they got was one extra game and they lost. So if we get one extra game, then we lose. Like... Is that a success, right? And you are absolutely. You're going to put it in his face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Doctor Bill, gonna text you. Um, and I, I think that you were right. Like this is obviously a step up. We've seen something really great from this team, and and the, the overall, the amount of quality we've seen this year, 
Um, we've seen very few stinkers at home. Very few stinkers even away, right? We mentioned New England, Chicago, a few of those just just crap fests. Right. Um, it's it's better soccer, and we are not uh, NYCFC, Atlanta or LAFC. We are not should not expect dominance, but we always want to look to always be good. Um, so we are we are obviously better, um, and so. Yeah, I guess I guess it is. It's obviously better to finish fourth than eighth, um, or, or tenth and ninth, right? Is that what we finished? Somewhere in that Something ballpark, like that. yeah. So huge, huge improvements. And so um, next question would be um, like for the playoffs. If we look forward, how far can they go? We've got LA Galaxy, and then it would be LAFC away, uh, and then that would be the final if we get there. So. You know, you said, Bruce, that uh, that we should be favored at home against Galaxy. So, dare we dream about going to the finals? Right? We we pull off LA Galaxy win, which should be easier than going to LAFC and, and pulling off what we did before. Um, do you, can I we mean, dream about the final? They played LAFC four times, lost once, tied once, won twice, and yeah. those those two twices were. Without Carlos Vela. Yeah, yeah. 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 But, but the LA Galaxy never beaten him. Six tries. Goose eggs. So That's all I'm saying. So how much are you two dreaming about the final? I'm, I'm none. The final? The fi- like MLS getting Cup. To a, getting to MLS Cup, right? No. We have two no, games no, no, to no, get no, there. No, 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 I'm not. I'm not. I'm Three. But I do, I do agree. Oh, we would... Because you oh, have to right. win then this we round. Would be, we would, LAFC. Oh, sorry, okay. We, LAFC we have would only be the quarterfinals. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we have three games. Uh, yeah. Do do. You, how far will we get? Just predict it. I think that they will beat the Galaxy two one. I think they will lose to LAFC, and there isn't a reason they would hang their head over that. Does that sound right? I'm going to be slightly more gutless and say that. I expect them to lose to the Galaxy. Yeah. Because they're, for some reason, intimidated by them. Yeah. I don't get it. But if they do win, it'll be on penalties. Because um, I think they have a better goalkeeper. And it's also worth keeping in mind, I mean, yeah, they only lost once at home. They also drew six times. So it's not a guarantee that they would win six penalty shootouts. It's not like it's a 16 out of 17 chance, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I, I guess both of those scenarios sound perfectly acceptable, and I also think that there is a. I'll I'll, I'll make up a percentage, a twenty percent chance that they get to the final or they get to the the semifinal at least get that past these two teams because they are two teams that, if we won these two games, it would be heroic and amazing, but it wouldn't be out of it would not be crazy. It'd be borderline crazy. Yeah? Yeah. You yep. think, okay, all right. Okay. I, I don't think getting past the Galaxy... I mean, like, I get it for, for all of the reasons you've mentioned, but their defense is so bad. Like, historically still bad. Yeah. To the level where, I mean, the Vancouver Whitecaps with zero attacking chemistry put four goals up in Los Angeles. Like, anything is possible on that side, too. Is it, it crazy? Is, but- I think it'd be... Yeah, I think it would be bordering crazy to beat LAFC after they just won the Sports Shield, set the record, and they have Carlos Vela still healthy. 
I just there's this weird intimidation factor that I can't get past with the galaxy. That make me crazy. I don't know what it is. I, I, I see, see it, it yeah. in their eyes. Yeah. When um, they step on the those field, those games always just feel a little different. Let me yeah. let me ask yeah. you a final question then. Going into the off season, um, three signings. We get three signings. What what are they? Center back number one, striker number two, like a a real one, like money, and. They probably, as stupid as it sounds, they need a left midfielder. Because, you know, we can complain about Robin Lude, but go look at his career and where he has played the most. He has played in the middle, almost exclusively, except for when he plays for Finland, which he has never failed to play anything other than the right side of midfield for Finland. It's weird. Yeah, I'm yeah. not even kidding. I'm not making this up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's like for right. club teams, he's, right. he's played almost exclusively at the number eight, and then he moves over to the right side of midfield for the national. Team. Any difference there, Jeff? Uh, I think that I mean goalkeeper. I'm not. I don't think you need to bring back Vito Minone. I think he had an incredible season. Um, he, but he, he but exceeded all expectations he's for got the position. Six months left on his contract he, at he, Reading. Yeah, yeah, and. It wouldn't be that hard to get him here, though. No, no. You could you could bring in Zach McMath for six months and then get Vito on a free if you really okay. wanted him back. If we got the mathlete here. Do Nord but, Podcast is coming back if the mathlete comes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, I think um, striker, yeah, striker is a huge priority for me. Um, and then left wing as well. So yeah. does that mean, then, with that, we've got... the. The, one of the biggest frustrations I've always had with Heath is that um, players are out, right? Miguel Ibarra is out. Uh, Angelo Rodriguez was weirdly out of the 18, now he's starting. We have not mentioned Thomas Chacon here at all. Um, does that mean Angelo Rodriguez has to go? If we need a better striker, we obviously don't think he's going. Does that mean Miguel Ibarra is gone? Does that mean... Uh, like? There's a lot of these players who have just been frozen out. But once you start to get rid of, like, Colin Martin doesn't know his future. These other guys don't. Rasmus Schuler is gone. You have to start to now, now you're like, well, now we need to sign nine players, right? Just to, just to backfill. Cause yeah, but if, you weren't, gonna, gone, but if you, know, you weren't going to play those guys anyway, bring in players you might give minutes to. But I, I mean, that's, take a chance on somebody different. Part but the devil yeah. you know that were the... the but uh, if, if you're willing to call the devil, you know, the devil, probably not going to dance with Diablo. them. Yeah. Then you should probably just like switch religions or something. Uh, I don't know. Maybe you worship it, Satan. There's always another know. player, man. There's uh, always so another player. I guess what I'm thinking is like, so let's say you've got guys like, uh, you've got guys like Colin Martin who are like, you know, I, I think when he's been on the field this year, he's been decent. And if you had to throw him in, cool. He's good. You always need depth like that uh, are we how where do you backfill some of that depth and if you get rid of angelo and then you've got toy you need to sign two strikers you need to sign a, a dp money striker like you're talking about bruce you also need to sign someone else who's just because you need three strikers there you need abu has been doing that this year and he's been doing it abu lee um but uh but like you need you need the you need depth there 
um, uh, you know, the, the kind of, um, it was always like Jack McInerney was signed by like 30 different teams to be like a guy who like... Chad you, Barrett? It, yeah, Patrick yeah. Mullins? If you put him in, yeah, Chad Barrett, yeah. The vasectomy, you put him in and it's like, he can be a player there for you. So once you're like, okay, we're going to get rid of our star striker, Angelo, and we're going to get rid of our failed uh, youth striker, uh, Abu, now you need to sign two there. Uh, we need to sign Why would you get rid of Abu, though? Because I think he's got one more. Does no. he have one he's more got an year? option. Yeah. The guarantee part's done, but honestly, I, why would you ever let him walk on a free? I'm picking up that option personally. Because he's not been good. No, what I'm but doing. You just said that they need, but they what need I'm, fodder. But so. what I'm doing is I'm picking up his option. I am loaning him to Sacramento Republic. I am watching him score 12 goals by August. I'm recalling him, and I'm selling him to the highest bidder. And then whoever uh, Sacramento Republic coach is is the new striker whisperer. And that's fine, but let it. But at least you got something for it. So, yeah, is Miguel gone? Would I, or is he? Is he? Then no comment. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, the, the thing is, like, a, a player like that where it's just like, why are we using that depth? That, uh, I, that, I, don't want, I don't want him gone, but on the flip side... He has done nothing to earn his spot for next year. Next to nothing. Yeah, if you're looking purely at his 2019 workload. Like, take, and your bias, that, take, take biases and personal yep, taste and all yep. that out of it and just look at the numbers and look at that. Yep. Wow. And you can make the case, obviously, he hasn't played in a position that is good for him. Sure. But that doesn't mean that he's made the most of the opportunities playing out of position either. Nope. You know, and, and if you're looking purely at what was the on-field impact from 2019, you would imagine the team will feel like they can bring in someone who will produce more in those same moments that he had gotten. Um, and again, purely, if you remove the bias, remove the history, everyone in Minnesota soccer loves McGill. But at the same from time, the team's perspective, that's got to be how they're looking at yeah, it. Yeah, at the same time, uh, and you and I had this conversation uh, at the last game, if uh, Frank Lampard's playing his last season for Chelsea, do you do you like just let him go into the wilderness and 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 ignore him? Well, if he scored ten goals every year for ten years, and then suddenly he scores one goal, and it's just not happening, yes, you let him go. It's it's not it's not the seventies and the eighties where you got this guy and he's the local hero. You it's. It's a business. And he's still young enough, too, where he's going to want every opportunity to play. Like, he's not... Oh, yeah, yeah. He's and, not on the downside of his should, career but, but yet. Like, yeah. But he's going to Phoenix. Um, yeah. I, 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 Did you guys know Michael Orozco plays for Orange County? I know. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's weird. You're on the USL beat now. Hell, so yeah. You know this shit. I'm just, Has I, Phoenix just lost pop- yet? Yeah. yeah, they lost yeah. to Fresno, and then Fresno has been terrible ever since it. Well, that was Fresno Super Bowl. They yeah, the, that they, was it, kind of. Yeah, they yeah. caught the Phoenix fever, and it was just like no, once... They caught the Fort Lauderdale fever oh, recently. The, the HPV? Yeah, actually, that's what it is. <laughs> the Lauderdale fever. Yeah, that would be it. That uh, all would right, be we're it. done. Hey, I need one last thing. Yeah. We, didn't, we did not talk about... I think the number one asset of the season for Minnesota United, and that's the stadium. We didn't. You're right. You're right. I mean, yeah. No, I, mean, I, nothing, did, I did on the home opener thing. But of yes, course. Yes, but yeah. nothing has been a bigger boost to this team than that stadium. No. 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 Nope. The fans have been incredible. Fans have been incredible. And, uh, I mean, I, I have, I've, oh, like – gone way over the top talking about how much I love that stadium. Obviously, me 
in my life changes of like having it where I'm like pointing to where the stadium is from here. I live by here. I, I walked by it tonight and it, the, it was lit up inside. And it is like, it, it, like, I, like I said, that home opener thing, I still get emotional walking to that, that stadium. It's like a, it's a very important thing for me to have that. And now like I took this chance and bought this bar and I was like, oh, let's do this. And now people are here. It has been like, superb in my life but just going there and being there and looking around and being like i'm gonna be fucking drunk and stupid with these people here and just yell at this these these grown men and it's like the perfect environment with the sky it, it is an amazing stadium and it you can look at things and be like oh well, the bathroom lines are long at, at, at halftime because everyone's trying to pee but like it it's is halftime. There's few, very. There's only a couple points where it's like, oh, this concourse here, that's bad. We should fix that. You know, but like, I've been in bad or bad new stadiums or new stadiums where I'm like, has anyone else here in this room been to the stadium in Houston? Yeah. Oh, anyone? You know? Oh. Yes. Yeah, that's a bad place. And like, and so I, I look at that and I, I think like, they nailed it out of the park with this. And place. they paid for it. Yeah. Yep. And so and it's yeah. great, and, but yes, the stadium, anything that... I keep waiting to get the email that says, sorry, guys, uh, St. Thomas actually paid for this, and they're, they're taking it over, and you guys are done now. Yeah, D1, you know, uh, D1 football. Basically, they did, so... Yeah. But, you know, I... I we'll see, I, we'll I, see in the cow pasture on uh, October 20th. Okay, let's right. change. Hamlin paid for the stadium, and it's, you know... <laughs> they would never pay for that. Okay, they make something never. up. You know, yeah. the University yeah. of Mars. Yeah. University I, of Mars. Yeah. More, I'm likely, just saying, more likely than I Hamlin. I keep waiting yeah, for yeah, that yeah. because it's so good. Yeah. That it, I'm like, really? Yeah. <laughs> really? Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. What's the, uh, what's the press box like? Because I'm, I'm like, no, I've not been media for ages. And I, I, Pequeño? I'm, hot? No. Small. Small. I don't speak Spanish. Small. How is it compared to the one in Kansas City? It is. Because it looks very similar. It looks my, very similar. Point. Um, better catering. Better food. You weren't at the Papa early years John's. of. Uh, you weren't at the early years of. of the whiz days? No. No, no, no. no. In the early days of that stadium in Kansas City. No. Because people would go crazy about the catering. Yeah. Okay. It's one of those areas. It's one of those areas where you start cutting costs. It is because you're not sure. making And enough. you can tell most teams do. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's it's much shallower. Uh, there's not as much space Which one? Um, on the inside part of Minnesota. In Minnesota. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, it, it's a very compact area. Is that particularly um, bad for like U.S. games? Yeah, it's you notice it more for U.S. Do, games. Do yeah. you, do, wait, so you've got your? I know I always look up and I see you in the spot. You've got your. That's spot only up there. for Minnesota games, though. And so U.S. It's, games, uh, do you get shunted to the back? Well, U.S. games, they do their own seating chart and they don't ask the hosting stadium for theirs. Oh, so yeah, God. I got I totally got relocated for the U.S. games, both of them. Fucking Steve Goff and all these guys taking your spot. Oh, if he wasn't even there, none of those guys were here. No. There was no big whizzes. No. Who were the big, any big whizzes? No, it's like, it's The just athletic, like, that's about it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, get that, uh, yeah, get that capitalist money. Had to. All right, uh, thank you guys. Thank you to the huge fucking crowd here. <laughs> Nailed it. Um, oh, that's, no, that's the laugh track. There we go. 
All right. Thank you, guys. This was so much fun. Uh, Bruce, Jeff, I love talking soccer with you guys. Thank you so much. Cheers. Uh, yeah, cheers. Here's to the fucking playoffs and uh, a, a, a good offseason, I hope. But we'll hopefully do like a postseason uh, once we win MLS Cup. We'll do another podcast. But uh, thanks, everyone, for coming out. I appreciate it. We'll be